Hi, I'm Paul, the Ripples Guy. Welcome to the Ripples Podcast, where we share quick splashes of inspiration and explore how even our smallest actions can have an ongoing impact on our lives, the people we connect with, and the whole world. Are you in? I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you enjoy today. Hello. I love doing it that way too much. Hello, peeps. It's Paul Wesselman, the Ripples guy. And uh, I have a wonderful group of people that are watching this live with me. So hello to them, uh, longtime friends and some new friends. You may be listening to the Ripples podcast episode. And if so, anything that I mention or talk about that we have a visual prop or whatever that we're using, I will have links in the show notes. And you may be watching a replay of this on YouTube. And if so, hello from a few days ago or a few weeks ago or whatever. Hello from previous me. And again, in the description should be anything um, that I put in the chat window. Our topic in September of 2023 is procrastination. And I'm going to start with a pebble and a boulder. The pebble is um, a resource that I'm using. And I wanted to mention to you, I use, um, I'm mostly in the Apple system of things. And I was telling them Tuesday night that reminders are something that I use a lot because I have discovered that trying to remember to do things, I, I think a fairly common reason that we think we're procrastinating something when we're not actually procrastinating is because we're forgetting. And then we, in the process of sort of beating ourselves up when we, when we're procrastinating or when we're, when we realize, Oh, I wish I would have done that. We sometimes miss the fact, well, it wasn't like we were putting it off. It's that we just kept forgetting to do it. And so I tend to grab um, my phone uh, um, or, or, and, and just have Siri, Hey Siri, create a reminder to do, 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 I also, um, I'm going to put in the chat window and also the liner notes. I did a just a little bit of, I'm not as familiar with the Android platform, but I did a little bit of homework. Oh, it told me I'm putting in the chat. This happened last night. I said to, I mentioned Siri making a reminder and Siri made a reminder of everything I just told you. Thanks, Siri. Um, Siri is getting a little bit too good and it's, it's freaking me out. So I just put in the chat and I will also post in the lines, some links to a couple articles about, uh, reminder apps that are free or low cost that work either on both platforms or on certain platforms. And my suggestion to you is to experiment if you're not already with some sort of electronic reminder system. So that with a phone and or your recorder, you're just or your computer, you're just getting in the habit of when you remember something to say, hey, make a reminder um, tomorrow at nine o'clock to do the thing. And my suggestion is just try, even if that's something you think, oh, technology or oh, this, just try it a little bit and see if it doesn't help you with some things that you're forgetting to do. And maybe some things that you think the problem is procrastination when it's actually um, good old fashioned forgetfulness. That's the pebble. The boulder, a resource that I'm using personally or professionally. Let me tell you a quick story. The couple of weeks ago, I was dealing with a thing and I realized that I was having a case of things would be easier or better 
if I was different, if the person I was interacting with was different, if things were just different. And then thanks to um, some extra meditation that I've been doing lately, some longer sits and, uh, and, and really upping my consistency as far as how often, I noticed that I was telling myself the problem was things aren't like I want them to be, me and the other person in the situation. And that what if I could just take things, ju just take me just as I am, take the other person just as you are and take things just as they are. So I went over to my trusty whiteboard and I wrote just as I am, just as you are, just as things are. And then I noticed that because for some reason I wrote them, the phrases in all caps, I noticed, well, that's kind of a weird acronym, Jaya, Jaya, Jada. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I didn't think anything of it. And the next week I was talking to my friend Pidge that I mentioned frequently that we have these regular um, personal professional development calls where we're kind of talking to each other about what's what and what's going on. And something came up that was sort of relevant to that, to, to the idea of just taking things right as they are. And I said, you know, I wrote this dorky thing on my whiteboard and I'll tell you, it's been up there for a week and I keep using it and it's Jaya Jaya Jada. And I, I said what it stood for, just as I am, just as you are, just as things are. And Pidge is really good about, like when she loves things, she loves them. And when she doesn't like things, she's like, yeah, that didn't really resonate with me. And she goes, oh, that's good. And I'm like, oh, it is? I, okay. And I, <laughs> I then got a message from her last week that she had mentioned it in a meeting of her peers at work. And she had told it to them. And several of them had immediately <laughs> wrote written it down and it's become a thing so brought to you by paul no credit needed is jaya jaya jada just as i am just as you are just as things are just even when i think it it's like what if i just could accept the reality of the way things are right now love it we have an ambitious amount of things I want to share with you relating to procrastination. And I found it helpful in um, these talks to experiment with a Zoom platform, letting me use presentation slides as the background so that I can have, I, I set it up sort of like I'm a newscaster within the upper corner. And um, I want to tell you that this content came into being in part because of this file that I've been keeping of just any snippets uh, and ideas that came to me for, for three years, I've been keeping a single Evernote file where anytime I'm reading an article and when I went through it for us to prepare for last month's talk where I was sharing a potpourri of ponderables, a various, um, I should call it, a, I should have called it a buffet of ponderables. Um, I ended up discovering that I had a whole bunch of stuff on procrastination. So I pulled them out, set them aside, thought I was going to, you know, share it with you all, but then had an opportunity to hang out with my friends at Northeast Wisconsin Technical College unexpectedly in August. And they said, hey, if you're going to be in the area, we'd love for you to come by. And they said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, "Ooh, I've got some content. So I put this together for them. And well, I decided I was going to put some things together for them that would be also for you. And then this very real thing happened. I stopped working on it and I 
came up with reasons to not work on it. And I forgot to work on it. And then something else was more important and I didn't want to work on it. And I'm, this isn't like me. And a couple, maybe 10 days, seven days before the talk, I'm like, you have to start working on it or you're not going to be ready for this. And that's not like you and you want that. And I sat down and laughed so hard when staring in front of me at the printed piece of paper was the word procrastination. And I was like, oh my God, I'm procrastinating procrastination. How meta is that? And realizing that I was doing it was this huge insight. And I'm like, oh, if you're going to do something about procrastination, you really need to know you're procrastinating. And then my next, my next thought I had was that, you know what, you don't have to beat yourself up and, and you're not disqualified from giving a talk on procrastination because you're procrastinating. Forgive yourself. What you're proving is not that you're unqualified to talk about um, procrastination. What you're proving is that you're a human being who procrastinates, who better to give a, a, a well-centered talk about how to do with this. And I'm like, okay, I got that. So I went from beating myself up after I forgave myself, I was able to be really excited. I was, thank you, Paul, this is genius. And I even said, thank you to the presentation because it was about to give me something to practice. And I reframed, um, what, what, well, I'll come back to it. Um, what I was able to do is reframe the, um, what I was doing as instead of instead of procrastinating, I was actually um, I was actually in in a way getting ready to do this presentation, and it was an opportunity for me to learn about myself, about this thing that I'm putting off because there, it's a clue. My procrastination is a clue of something that's going on. There's some reason we're going to talk about dust, D U S T, how we often procrastinate things either because they're difficult because they're uncomfortable um, or, or sorry, unclear um, because what's the S stand for? Because we're scared um, or the T, I forget what it is. Oh, because it's tedious and we get bored. And so then I'm like, this is going to be a chance to reframe this. And uh, one of the things I had learned in the, in the article that uh, the five or six articles that I read on this is that I have been making it a mistake to present procrastination as a time management problem, because in general, it's not about a, a problem managing time. It's in a, it's an emotional regulation problem. It's really about managing your emotions. And again, huge reframe. And once I thought of all that, I got excited to play with a bunch of techniques that I've already been teaching for years about fighting procrastination, but then a whole bunch of new things. And that what I just said to you is what ended up being the structure of the talk that I gave um, to Northeast Wisconsin Technical College. So I, you know, me and my goofy animal slides, I found some cool animals and I ended up coming up with a five-step plan for conquering procrastination based on the five steps that I went through in developing this presentation. You first have to realize you're procrastinating and that's a problem and or I shouldn't say it's a problem. That's a challenge. We don't always realize we're pro procrastinating because sometimes we're not procrastinating. We're forgetting something or we're distracted or some such. And sometimes we don't 
realize that something is a form of procrastination. One of the articles that I read taught me that procrastinate, or excuse me, that perfectionism is sometimes <laughs> a form of, of procrastinating. That we're mm -hmm. saying something has to be perfect, and because it's not perfect yet, we need to spend more time on it, or we need to not quite be finished and ship it. And really, that's us having a form of procrastination. Planning can be a really crucial part of project management, and it can be a form of procrastination. If we are a little too comfortable getting ready to do something, and we spend too much time getting ready to do on it, and I'm not quite ready yet, I need to do this, I need to do this, we're actually perhaps procrastinating. So the first... <laughs> Allison, Allison just wrote in the chat, I'm feeling very called out right now. Allison, I'm going to pause and tell you this. I have, this has happened to me where I feel really called out and yet also really seen like, wow, they, somebody really gets me. And mm -hmm. I was telling my friend, um, I had lunch with Abby spontaneously a couple days ago. And I said, I'm trying to think of a word that means both being called out and also seen at the same time. I feel like there's a word for that. And she said, I bet you there's a German word for it because there's a German <laughs> word for all these things that, that when you heard, hear about schadenfreude, you know, it turns out there's no exact English equivalent. So if somebody knows the German word for both feeling called out and also really seen at the same time. Um, after you notice that you're, procrastinating. The very next thing that will help so much is if you can forgive yourself for it and not spend minutes, hours, days, or years beating yourself because you're clearly not a good person because you're procrastinating. And just say, you know what? I'm procrastinating because I am a super qualified human being and human beings sometimes procrastinate. And the longer you, if you need therapy, go call 1-800-THERAPY-BETTER-HELP, whatever it is. If you can, maybe in a compact way saying, yeah, it's okay that I'm doing this. Really quickly, then you can jump into being thankful. I am so glad because if you think of procrastination as a clue, this has a clue to something about myself, something about this thing I'm procrastinating or the process of procrastination. And if I get to know myself a little bit better, my relationship to this thing, it's probably not only going to help me with this thing. It's probably going to help me in my work, in my school, in my life. Um, and so yippee for that. And then we can reframe it. We can say, okay, this is, we're in school. Um, there, there, this is uh, something for us to learn um, about ourselves, about this thing. And um, we're not we're not having a time management problem. We're having an emotion management problem. So let's take a look and see what the feels are going on. And I want to show you something here. Oh, yes. Sorry. And then the last stage, we get to play around. And this is the part where for the presentation, I have put together some strategies that I've used for years and some new ones that came to me in some of the research I did um, in the last few weeks. But now what I want to do, and somebody give me feedback that a couple of these rows I'm going to share, the, the font may be too small. And please tell me that in the chats or in the um, find me at Ripple's Guy on social media and tell me. Um, but I wanted to, to have a visual here to talk about the four main reasons that we procrastinate something. And the D stands for difficult. Sometimes things are just too hard. Sometimes 
and when I say too hard, what I mean is it, it, it it's something that we've hit a wall and, and some part of us is saying this is too hard. It might actually be too hard and we need to ask for help. But a lot of times it's we, we freeze because it feels hard and it's just easier to get going if, if something is easier. If something is unclear, if we have told ourselves or if somebody has handed us a task to do and we don't fully know what's actually the first thing you're supposed to do or what is what does success actually look like? We may not immediately notice that part of the problem is that we don't have clear goals or we don't have concrete enough steps involved or we we somebody either ourselves or somebody has used some vague terminology so it's hard to know what a win really is going to look like if we're afraid of something if we're unsure of what the implications of us starting work or finishing it is it moving us far away from our beloved comfort zone it's going to slow us down we're going to come up with excuses because we're weak no because built into our system is a is a self-preservation voice that always wants us to stay alive. And by the way, if you're watching this, congratul if you're listening to this, congratulations. You made it to today. And one of the reasons that you made it to today, a big reason you made it to today is because you have a a part of you whose constant job is to help you stay alive. And the Easiest way they know how to do that, to keep you safe, to keep you comfortable. So anytime you're venturing out of your comfort zone, you're you're going to have a part of your system that's going to go boop, boop, and it, it might be as loud as the music we had playing when you were coming to the room, or it might be as loud as the music that was playing when first some people got here and it was too loud. We don't have to ignore it necessarily. We want to listen to it at first, but at some point, we're going to need to calm ourselves or our system down enough so that we can move beyond some of our fears. And then finally, the more boring something is, the easier it is for us to play with a distraction or to do something that's more fun um, or more meaningful. So those are going to be some potential points that we're going to dive into and explore a little bit. Um, I should have said at the top also, you know, this content is going to be much more relevant to you, much more um the possibilities for you to apply is if you are thinking about specific things you're procrastinating that you want to try to experiment with some of this. So, so certainly be playing some of that. If you're difficult, if things are difficult, the feeling that's probably underneath that is overwhelmed. If things are unclear, it's very possible that you're feeling confused. Because remember how this is a, a an emotion management problem, not a time management problem. And of course, if if things are scary, fear is is the underlying emotion. And if you're if you're tedious, if if you're reacting to things, if you're avoiding things because the task seems tedious, there's a good chance that you're feeling bored. And cluing into the emotions is gonna um, help us. And I had some great feedback Tuesday nights, and I didn't originally come back to this little um, grid at the end of the presentation, and so I quickly made another slide for today that we're going to revisit that after we play some but right now check out that bear so ready to help us play and i'm very proud of the fact that i had a handful of techniques on this presentation that i was typing in to create um the content my notes and the slides for this talk and then i noticed if i tweaked them just a little bit they would create the abcs of procrastination playing so 
please forgive me for being excited that we're going to do A, B, C, D, E. Um, and I think an F. Yes, F. A, B, C, D, E, F. There are. I didn't know there are six things. Look at me. Unless I forgot one. Two, oh, yeah. I, we got six. Uncle Paul is shocking himself right here. All right. The A stands for activation energy. And I uh, borrowed this from one of the articles who borrowed from chemistry, the idea that there are sometimes compounds or th sciencey things that, need, that needs something to activate them. And um, I have for years been talking in my time management presentations and workshops on motivation. Let me grab a scrap piece of paper here real quick and borrow my... Mr. Sketch, smell good markers, um, which I love so much. And by the way, it's okay if you smell your markers when you're, when, do you remember flip charts? I used to give talks and I would always have a flip chart and I would always bring Mr. Sketch markers. And it's okay to do this and to talk about it, but you always have to be careful with two things. One, um, that you uh, end up touching your nose to it because then I would have little blue and especially orange because if you remember bare chewable, chewable aspirin, this is totally that. And secondly, if you're giving a presentation at an alcohol and other drug uh, conference, please be prepared to get lectured afterwards that you are promoting huffing because that's what happened to me. Tangent complete. Um, but in my presentations on motivation and time management, I would often talk about MAM, motivation creates action, which creates more motivation. And it's a general way to think about you're not motivated. Something comes along and, oh, see, this is, it keeps disappearing on us. Um, motivation creates action, which creates more motivation. Something comes along to motivate you, and then you can take action, and then you're more motivated. It's based on the uh, law of physics. A body at rest tends to stay at, stay rest. at rest. The other half is that a body in motion tends to stay in motion. Equally valid, equally true. We forget that. So if ma'am is true, so is, oh, did it wrong, A-M-A. -A. So if ma'am is true, motivation creates action, creates more motivation. It is equally true that action creates motivation, which creates more action. So instead of trying to get something done, one of the best things you can do if you want to jumpstart your motivation is try to get it started. What is the first little step you have to do? And I often will go on and tell the long version about my little exercise. I'm sure you all have heard me talk about this. But when I wake up in the morning, it's always prep. I always want to have exercise. I never want to. Well, not never. I almost never want to exercise. And so my game is you don't have to exercise today. You just have to put on your workout clothes. And I always imagine though, what if you could just put on clothes that built muscle and burn calories and that's all you had to do is wear them. I would put those clothes on. So I pretend that my little workout outfit is going to work out for me. That gets me ready and closer. And then usually I've got two envelopes by the back door for tomorrow morning. That usually is enough to say, Paul, why didn't you just walk to the mailbox two blocks away? And Almost never do I get to that mailbox and then turn around and come home. I'm already out. I'm let's go baby steps started. And then I almost always finish four miles. And almost always I start off going, I cannot imagine making it that long. So activation energy is about what's the, the smallest, 
what's the biggest bite that you can imagine taking? And it'd have to be a really small task. That's totally fine. Very similar is this is a lot of times if you've got a list that says do something and it's too big, you're going to stay stuck. If you can actually break it down into baby steps, if you can create a, a, a list instead of it having one item on it, if you can have five items that are the things, it might take a little bit of extra time to do. But what happens is twofold. Number one, you've got more concrete steps that you can it's a little bit easier to get them started. And once you start getting them done, you're checking things off a list. And that actually is a very motivating because then it's AMA um, where action is creating more motivation to get going. So any, a, a very common thing we were talking on Tuesday night, someone was saying they use reminders all the time, but there's a bunch of them that they just ignore. And when we started asking her, which are the ones that get ignored? very often it was big ticket items where you can't actually do in one step. So it's one of those things. It's just easier to put it off. So if you can, with your to-do list and your reminders, make them actionable things that you could get up and do and be done and check off a list. The C is to create a game. Um, and gamifying uh, is, a, is a relatively common term these days. And certainly uh, it's being done with with doing errands, it's being done with weight loss, it's being done with all kinds of chores that that people are wanting to accomplish. And it's it can be as simple as just saying, all right, how much can I get done? Let's set the timer. Something as simple as that can turn something into a game. I will tell you with my deep love of Candy Crush, the soda version, I love it, I love it, I love it. In the afternoon, when my motivation and my energy and honestly my creativity starts waning i get up very early most days i'm i'm moving and active by five o'clock and so i'm pretty spent by two o'clock and there's usually i usually save non-creative tasks for the afternoon i stop work i lay on the couch and i play candy crush for at least 30 minutes absolutely then i start feeling guilty like hey paul you there's some work you want to get done and I say, you don't have to stop playing Candy Crush. Why don't you just in between games, every these games are, you know, the little rounds are relatively short, like 30 seconds to two minutes. What if you just done that? And then you have to go do a small pocket of work. Collate 10 things. Do, do put, I will have a, sometimes a very messy desk. And I will say, you just have to put away two things. And what happens is at first, I almost feel bad because I'm only putting two things, but I go back and play two things happen. One, I come back and it actually starts looking cleaner. And then I notice, well, if I put three or four things, this is going to be a lot more fun. And pretty soon the game isn't Candy Crush. The game is Clean Paul, crush crush the cleanliness of the desk. Um, and some people resist this. Some people it's corny. And so if it's not for you, don't do it. Maybe experiment. Let's take a look at the time. Oh, we're doing okay. We're getting close. <laughs> um, disappearing the distractions. This is a a fairly big issue is that if you do have distractions that are tastier, that are more fun, that are more meaningful in some cases, we might need to make them a little bit harder to reach. And learning how to focus, I teach this to, to incoming college students. Um, some people think that the, the, the concept of focusing is about, is about doing this harder. And really, the best way to start getting better at focusing is to flip it around and say, how can I make distractions harder to find me? And my favorite piece of advice that a student told me years ago to tell other students, 
is instead of putting your phone on vibrate when you go into class, instead of putting it in airplane mode to actually power it down. And it was such a simple piece of advice I had not thought of. And especially now that phones power back up quicker than they did actually when she first gave me the advice, I started playing around with it. And it is fascinating how much harder it is to play Candy Crush on this phone when it's off. (laughs) And secondly, it helps me notice that there is a relatively um, strong addiction when I keep grabbing my phone and it's off and I realize I turned it off because I want to not work, not look at it for an hour. And so, hello, that's useful information as well. So is there some equivalent of that that you can play with? Is there work mode that you can get in? I often, um, when I worked at University of Wisconsin-Madison, I would block off 30-minute appointments a couple mornings a week, and I would shut my door, turn off my phone, and um, crank through a lot of work. And my supervisor had mentioned to me that I was weeks and in some case months ahead of my colleagues on some of the yucky boring paperwork parts of our job. And at a meeting, he asked me to talk about my technique. And when I told them, they pushed back and they said, well, we really value our time with students. And I really think it's important. And I don't want to be unavailable students. That's why we work here. And I, my first, I was like, that's true. But I will tell you this, when a student comes in and shuts the door and talks to me about a problem, I am very unavailable to all other students at that time. And that's not making me a bad person. That's making me a good person. And this big pile of paperwork is part of how we serve students. It's part of how this um, my residence halls keep on running. And so it's a part of our job that we have to get done. And I am just telling you that being unavailable for short blocks of time really does make me more available for a lot more of other time. So that's, again, that might be something you'd, you'd like to play with. And then we've got um, exploring your parts. And Those of you who have hung out with me in these Zoomy Zooms or in other presentations will likely have heard me talk about a a therapy model called internal family systems. Um, But it's true that in lots of counseling models, they encourage us to think about ourselves as having subpersonalities. And anytime you've said, part of me wants to go to the gym, part of me doesn't, even just meeting yourself there and saying, okay, let's take a look at that and think of this as an external committee for a second. Why, why does that part of me want to go to the gym? What are the benefits? And, and then really listening respectfully and curiously to the part that says, I don't want to go. Because one of the cardinal rules of the parts model um, in, in therapy use is that it's not like there's an angel trying to get you to do good and an, a, a devil trying to make you do something bad. All parts are trying to be protective and helpful to the system. They might be wanting to to make some choices that aren't ultimately helpful to the system, but their intent is actually that they're 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 thinking this is the best way. And it might be because that part is is younger um, or or less mature or is very afraid and so is really withdrawing and saying all people are bad. And it's not because they don't want us to have friends. It's because there's been a wound or, or, or somebody has been a really spectacular example of an awful person and they, they want to protect the system. And so sometimes if part of you wants to do something and part of you doesn't, the problem isn't going to be resolved with discipline necessarily. Is, if you spend, instead of trying to override that part or send that part to their room, a lot of times it's so much 
faster. My therapist used to say to me, the slower we go, the flat faster we'll get there. Let's slow down just a little bit and let's take a look and see what's going on. Um, and then the last piece is about future you and the idea that we are often most familiar with today us. And some of us have spent some amount of time taking care of younger parts of us and, you know, working on healing and therapy or just appreciating that younger us didn't know as much or whatever. But one of the interesting techniques and a considerable amount of research suggests that if people spend time actually getting to know and thinking about their future self, that it becomes easier today to make a decision that's actually not as comfortable or not as fun for today me, but but we care enough about tomorrow me that this moves something. If this has to be done eventually, and the sooner it gets done, the better it is for all of us, past and present and future selves. Our ability to do it today depends somewhat on how much we care about tomorrow us. And there was some really interesting research done where people, uh, college students, were asked to write a letter to future them and to talk about what um, they hope for, for their future self and, and, and anything they think they want future self to, to remember. And they found that these students made different choices about sleep, about alcohol and drug use, um, and about nutrition. In part, they hypothesized because making decisions that feel good today, but maybe have negative impacts tomorrow, um, the, the, the math is different when the person who's going to be impacted is somebody that we care about, that we're closer to. And I'll tell you, we're a little tight on time. I don't want to take this tangent too far, but the, I, I went noodling around in that research. And let me tell you the really cool thing is when they had people not just write a letter to their future self, but this was the interesting kicker. When they asked research subjects to write a letter from future them, back to today them, thanking them, giving them advice, the changes were even more dramatic because there was a two-way street. And I will tell you, I had a friend who was a little skeptical of this. She had she was familiar with working with future self. She has done it. And she was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. But we, had, we processed it. And the, the very next day, she had a task. And she had a, a little conversation with future self and she was able to get it done. And she really was glad she was done. And then she did this. I thought it was the coolest thing. The next day, she remembered to pause and thank yesterday her. And she just did it in her head. She just said, hey, I think it was like Monday and Tuesday, Monday pitch. Thank you so much. Uh, I wasn't going to say her name. Sorry, bitch. And she said that really made a big difference. And I thought that was the most fascinating thing. And so if that intrigues to you, if that is intriguing to you, I would encourage you to play around with that a little bit. Hey, I want to try to honor the time and we're stretching a little bit. But let me quickly go back to um, this slide here. Oh, was I going to? Mm, let me see if I put the. Here's the slide I wanted to look at where I had the, the activation energy, baby steps, create a game, disappear distractions, explore the parts and future year. 
on the same slide as the DUST acronym. So this is where I think it's useful for us to go back and say, in a situation where we are feeling overwhelmed, are some of these steps going to be more relevant to us than other? And I, I think that's where the baby steps um, and, and maybe exploring the parts could be useful. If things are unclear, definitely doing the baby steps um, to clarify things are, are, are going to be really important. And I think the scary piece could really be um, just about playing around with just about all of these. But I think especially exploring your parts and thinking there's a part of me that's afraid. And there's a part of me that's that's either neutral or maybe even wanting to hurry up and get this done. And if you can think of it as parts, that's going to help. And with tedious, I, I think I, I go right to the game. You know, is there a way to gamify this or is there a way to appreciate that future you will will not have to do this boring thing if we get more of it done today? Um, so I, I'm so glad for Carol Tuesday night suggesting that we swing back around to think of that and. Um, knowing that time is so precious and that we want to try to make this um, a bite-sized nugget of, for a podcast in um, podcast conversation or a video, I do think it's good to, to, to wrap things up here and just say, I think the best thing you can do is think of this as an experiment and, and not think of it as something you're trying to permanently solve. As long as you remain a human being, you are going to procrastinate. It is as inherent to being human as breathing. It is a natural part of humanity, of being a human being. And it's something you can get better at handling, but it's not something that you need to be embarrassed about, ashamed of, and um, or judging a whole lot. And it, it'd be my sincere wish, if you watched this live, if you listened to the podcast, or if you watched the video, if something worked, please let me know, because it always helps me improve a presentation if I hear a bunch of examples from people about things that they use. And with that, I think what I'd like to do is stop the sharing of my slides of uh, Unspotlight Me. And then we have a bunch of faces that we're recording. And if you all could maybe wave goodbye with me for people who are watching this. And with that, we will wait, do that until I can find, I keep doing it because I've, they've, recording.